0: Welcome to the second season of the podcast Rise and Play. We are Sophie Vu and Carla Reyes, your hosts for this special season. In this series, we will focus on portraits of women who have an outstanding career in games. How did they get into games? How did they reach their high position and career? What have been their personal and career choices to get to the level, and why? We want to bring more light to the wide range of career paths available for women in leadership positions in the industry. And we hope this will inspire you to aim for higher in your career too. Let's begin. So today, I am very pleased to have with me Maya. So uh, Maya Hoffrey is the VP of New Games at Product Madness. She counts 10 years of industry experience, starting as a product manager at Jelly Button Games, and later became the product director of big titles such as Pirate Kings, board kings and world series of poker when uh, she joined playtica after jelly button was later acquired by playtica but we will talk more anyway about her experience through this podcast today so hi maya how are you today hey hey
1: all good a bit cold but good
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm super excited to have you because we have talked so much about product before and of course, unrecorded. So I'm really glad that we can record this one to discuss more, you know, about your path and what you've been up to. So maybe let's begin with that. So what is the most exciting thing for you at the moment that you are working on professionally or even personally, if you have something to share?
1: Uh, So I just started my, not just, but I started my recent position in Product Madness last uh, June. So I think that's, for me, the most exciting thing that I've been working on. Uh, usually, my professional and personal life kind of interwine. I mean, Product Madness is a global company. It's located in London, and it has offices all over the world. So I think changing a location of a company from Israel to the UK, and even just looking at something as a global powerhouse kind of is a huge challenge on my end.
0: So do I understand that also you already relocated with a job or are you still based in Israel at the moment?
1: No, so I'm currently in Tel Aviv based, mm-hmm. but the goal is to be with the team wherever the team is. So I'm constantly either in, in, in London or wherever uh, the studio or my team is. The idea is just to constantly be there. But with COVID, flying over is, is, is problematic,
0: Mm-hmm. So we yes. just try
1: when whenever times allow us to, then we're there.
0: Okay. So then let's focus a bit on this recent position that you just got. And I'm curious more of what's behind the title of VP of New Games at Product Madness. And also what is, you know, the strategy at the moment of uh, Product Madness? So maybe in giving an introduction as well, where is Product Madness is today? And what is your role and your mission with this new position?
1: So I'm in charge of all the new games under Product Madness. Uh, Product Madness currently has a few um, amazing slot games that are out there. We call them the evergreen games, which is uh, we have uh, Cashman Casino, we have How to Vegas and Lightning Link. And these are the, the working titles. But I'm in charge of all the new games that are about to be the future of Product Madness as well. So it kind of means creating an atmosphere, an environment where we can release new games out there. So I, I would say, for me, since there's no clear guideline, there's no map that says, this is how you create a game, right? It's not like, do this and that and you have a game out there. But the goal is that just to create an environment in which it's easier to, to do this. I think like I like to compare it usually to if, if you're in a bowling alley and the goal is to hit a strike, mm-hmm. but it's it's hard to hit a strike. You need to be like not everybody can do it the first time. But definitely not the third time. My goal is kind of to create the bowling alley. How do you call it? Like the buffers on the sides, so even if if the ball wants to get out, it comes back to the center, and then you have much more. It's much more easier to hit the pins. So what I do is I create this buffers on the sideline, and then give my team the best way to hit the strike or. Not on the first try, the second try, split. But that's kind of putting a metaphor on what we're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works really well. So I understand, I can picture it really well as well with going for several shots and also, yeah, not trying to have uh, so many games that go on the sidelines. And so about the role, when you joined, did you have to start from a a blank page? So you come and build the strategy or uh, did you have already a, a framework to work with? So currently in the company,
1: when I joined, there is the VP of of Product, who is in charge of the Evergreen Games. He was already started working on uh, the new games pipeline. Uh, So I kind of just joined there and then took over and added my side of the strategy a lot with a lot of what the current SLT already started thinking about. But I think there's a lot of what's going to happen next that has been a part of what i contributed added from my knowledge my experience my beliefs to this strategy of the game but it's still work in progress i've been in the company only for six months now so hopefully mm-hmm. we're still trying to exactly understand where we're going with that but yeah
0: it sounds familiar to me as well when i joined voodoo a few years ago not of course on product strategy but more strategy of building a studio and i well it was a test by doing so I had a vision I executed it and then I measured so here's my question as well for you the strategy that you're applying for this process of new games at Product Madness is it something that you have proven before working in your previous places or is something you're trying and if so how are you following this to iterate what's your vision about it I
1: think it's a combination it's a lot of what I learned working in the past in Jelly and Jelly is more of a also similar company creating new games. And so it's based a lot on that, but there's also a lot of what I believe in. The goal in when you're creating a product strategy is that you're we're constantly looking five years from now and where we want to be five years from now. And then saying, how do I reach that and start mitigating what risks and what challenges are there to make sure that we get there. So it's kind of a combination of what I think is the right way to go based on what I know, what I've heard, what I'm seeing. And and part of it is based on what I've been learning from my fellow SOTs and from my CEO in the company.
0: Sounds super exciting. And so... To uh, execute this vision of going back to this analogy of bowling alley and uh, like throwing your bones, so imagining then a certain number of teams as uh, these bones you're throwing, what is your vision of like a volume of teams uh, you need to have to execute the strategy? What are the numbers in your mind?
1: So it depends what your end goal, like how many games do you want to have out there? (laughs) If you want one hit game, if you want to have five hit games. I mean, the goal is that, unfortunately, we don't know let's say if we have five initiatives, how many of them will become a hit game? And, and what does it mean becoming a hit game? So I think it's kind of a breakdown of understanding that. And then for me, it's also trying to think of new ideas of how to approach, how to create a new game. So it's a combination of both. I think there is some, we're trying to, initiate more traditional ways of, of creating new games and also more innovating ways of creating new games. So it's a combination of both.
0: Mm-hmm. So talking about like here, new games and ideation process, are you very much involved there? And if so, how is it organized for what you can share, of course, to start, you know, new concepts? Because, yeah, you need to generate many new ideas to test them, etc. mm-hmm. So it's,
1: like I said, it's it's a combination. My goal is to have strong people who will lead this ideation process. The team is growing rapidly. We're constantly looking for talents to join, especially in those domains. But my idea is just to plant the seeds of new ways of thinking and then create the best playground, I call it, for my Mm -hmm. team to play around with ideas, to see, like, do we need to prototype? Do we need to concept study? Do we want to release an MVP? Do we want to release a hyper-casual game? Do we want to take an old game? There's so many ways to play with this ideation of ways of thinking. Um, It's endless. And my goal is to constantly ask the questions and let the team roll with the
0: answers. I know well this way of working. And it's Basically, um, yeah, giving a lot of autonomy and letting a team think of solution, right? We are highlighting the problems or the direction where we want to go. Of course, nobody knows uh, the ultimate truth and the answer, but by letting people think for themselves, uh, usually better idea than the ones we have come out. Huh? Um, so I, I'm fully aligned uh, with this approach. And so... Uh, Maybe talking here a bit more about the team then, are you working closely with product leaders or are you working so directly with operational team, like production teams? So what are your layers of management, you know, or structure of teams for this whole unit of new games? So the goal is to have first
1: product directors lead different studio efforts, but then also create kind of an environment to maintain this playground, right? So to have people support, the different domains if we want somebody who can support any growth challenges and growth ways of thinking and also have somebody who will think more of how to support kpi ways of thinking and how to analyze numbers new games all of that so if i'm looking at it it's kind of a, a metrics organization where i have the directors leading each game or each effort and then a initiative, and then have on, on the metrics organization side have different discipline owners kind of support them on their side.
0: Yeah, sounds like a, also a big structure and like a system, you know, of expertise and focus. So it's very interesting to hear also about different human organizations, especially at this level like yours. So then in this position, what are the main things you're doing on a week and how you organize your days? So it's a great question. I think
1: I would... First, answer it personally. So personally, I wake up in the morning. Before I even drink my coffee, I open my mobile device and I start playing games. And I start playing all of Product Manager's games and then Plariums and then Big Fish. And then this is like my dessert is ever met, under Big Fish. So so this is like my morning newspapers reading, Just seeing what's under my company's environment. And then after that, coffee, shower, coffee again open Zoom, and then start talking to people. I think uh, the biggest challenge today in managing is that we're not seeing people and it's very hard to understand what the pulse of the company is and and how people are feeling. And I believe that whatever makes a studio is the people in it. And my goal is, like I said, is is to create the environment, to create the playground, to create the best place for people to grow, to innovate, and so usually the rest of my day is back-to-back meetings, either trying to have one-on-ones with the team or just having general group meetings with the team, but also meeting with other people in Product Madness, in our sister companies, working a lot with my fellow managers and my fellow Like because I think one of the things that we are doing as a leadership is maintaining the strategy of the company. So it's kind of working... In parallel and uh, horizontal and uh, in parallel with with my team. So entire day is Zooms. I think lunch is usually also over Zoom. Try to do (laughs) that. I have to say, I'm, I'm living like a teenage uh, uh, kid, right? I'm eating (laughs) usually ordering McDonald's or uh, leftover French fries from the refrigerator from last night. (laughs) But then the good thing is that. I think, in, especially in Product Madness, is that there is work-life balance. And it comes evening and work is getting slower and meetings are coming to an end. And then for me, it's, again, time to go back to play any other game. And I think that's, I don't even know how do I decide which games, but just play whatever I can. And then until nightfall, and then nightfall, I need to get out of the house Give the day an ending, go drinks, go to dinner, meet friends, talk about anything that's not work related because the entire day has been so full of games and full of processes and thinking and meetings and talking. So I need to have this end of the day and then come cycle, start tomorrow, same thing. So that's the day of my life.
0: So it's a great practice actually to play that often your games and the games of different companies under the same umbrella. I think it's a practice as a good reminder for me. And um, in this uh, buzz of the day, uh, you have, I think, so we all know that, especially in this high position, that it's important to take some time like away to see the big picture, step back. How do you plan that time? How do you find the time for this in your schedule?
1: I make it. I, I think it's mandatory. I think uh, if, if especially when you have so much pressure, daily pressure, uh, thoughts and things that are related to the company and to what you're working on, especially when I'm working and where well, all my passion is and it fills my day, I need to make sure that comes nightfall, I close the computer, I talk to my friends, and we're going out for drinks. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be living... 10 minutes from all of my friends. So it's very easy to just say, let's go meet for beers or let's go meet for whatever. Uh,
0: And about the team you're managing, because you have a lot of experience also managing different teams in the product teams. And also from your past experience, we'll come back to this. What is your philosophy? You talked a bit about like how you approach, but really your principles when leading others. So I think like one of the things I
1: believe in is empowering my team Uh, to be as autonomous as possible. That's the goal. Uh, but that takes time and that takes trust building and establishing ways of communication. And uh, So I think my goal is to have that, but it's a process of creating that. Uh, so if I look at the past, whenever I start working with the team, we're starting with working very closely together, encouraging them to be as uh, autonomous as possible, but doing that while kind of monitoring that until I see that, okay, now they can start walking and spread the wings. And then for me, I encourage that as much as possible. I think my goal is to actually have the smallest amount of interference in what my teams are doing. And although for me to, to continue to think of strategy and ahead and have them walk on the day to day. So that's my end goal.
0: Great. And as you said, also you you are building teams. I guess also you're recruiting to build teams. What are the challenges you're facing in building these new teams?
1: So I think it's very hard, especially under COVID, because you're not just recruiting talent. You're recruiting um, team fit. I think you talked about it also. You're trying to build a culture when you're hiring people, especially as, as a manager. I'm trying to understand which people will work best together. Somebody said... We're not looking for uh, uh, superstars, we're looking for superheroes. <laughs> we're looking for the Avengers, right? We want to create small Avengers teams with like the strongest people to create everything, but they need to work together. And that's very hard. It's very hard to evaluate uh, soft skills over Zoom and over very limited meetings when you're not actually face-to-face with the person. We don't even know how the person interacts with people. I'm used to Recruiting people when I meet them and having kind of a day of interviews, talking to them, understanding who they are with that. But now, in the past two years, I've been limited for that. And and the other thing is is always trying to put like the team in mind and say, okay, if, even if this person is extremely talented and so strong in this, how does he work with the entire rest of the team? How will he be? in in product managers, one of the things that we are very much focused on is people first. So we need to make sure that the managers that we're bringing are good managers and will grow the team and, and will have the team members in mind first. So I think that's also something that's becoming harder and harder.
0: Yeah, this has changed for sure. And I follow you here when, especially for the vision you have of building these teams that work really well together. It's the human side and it's really hard to gauge it and then have a sense for it fully online. So you have to try, but it's probably more trial and error than before. And yeah, there's no solutions for that than trying and being quite aware of the things you don't see, you cannot see just through online interview and maybe being more cautious or following more closely during probation period and things like that. I think probation period is really the The real new interview part, actually, of recruiting. So... Then let's take also a step back a bit in your previous positions. So you were working also as product director at Jelly Button and on super titles like, yeah, Board Kings, really awesome game, Pirate Kings as well, like big game before Coin Master, if I'm correct, and uh, Casino Games. So I'm curious here, what was the difference when you moved product director from Jelly Button to Playtica? I think it's quite interesting, like from casual games, dice games and pure casino games. Yeah, so... It's a
1: great question. And I think Jelly Button is, is more of a small studio when everybody is working in the same space. So when I was in Jelly, the developers, the artists, we were all sitting together. We kind of started, it was it was a small indie company that started and grew and grew and grew. And, and whenever people joined, it was just joining seats next to you. And that's part of, even when you're managing there, you're actually managing friends and you're managing uh, very close friends who are sitting right next to you. And in Tretika, the way that the studio is is built is that the business side is in Herzlina, in Israel, but the the developers were in Romania. So it was a bit different Walking with remote teams, that was one big, big difference. And also the size of the of, of the teams working. So if, if in Jelly, I was working with 12, 13 developers in in WSOP, we had about uh, six, seven feature teams, and, and the goal was to grow to more feature teams and in order to have more and more content in the game. And So I think that's the difference in, in the practice of work. The main difference in what the product director does is is even how you look at the experience of the game. So if we're looking at a casino, live ops and the different features that change, the game needs to constantly have live ops in it and we need to constantly introduce new features and new experiences to the game because the core game, the grinders, is the poker game or the casino game. But if we're looking at at Pirate King and, and Jelly, it was more constantly thinking of how to take this holistic experience of gameplay and grow that so it's not a feature but it's more of how to grow the game with any kind of how to increase the meta loop what to add there or are you creating side loops so it's a bit different way of thinking even as a product Mm -hmm. person casual games and casino games have different approaches it also has to do with Place where the game is at, right? Because Pirate Kings, I started, was a very small game. We grew it and, and it became a more mature game. But WSOP was already a very mature game, a few years in the market, already has an established baseline of players playing it. So it's also a different approach there.
0: That's super interesting. So I'm quite familiar with a small size team. I think also it's quite a, these days, well, for I think we have seen that also with Super Model back in the days, but you know, this small autonomous, organized team, very focused on one game, so that's probably more familiar. But what I'm very fascinated about is this huge big team, you know, in casino teams, it's a really like a, a well-owned machine. Can you tell us more what was your role as a product director and with which teams or people you were working, how it was organized, like all the people behind such a big game? So
1: each studio in, in, in Teutica is, is like one small company, right? It's about 100 people, even more. Sometimes some studios, I think, are even up to 400 people in the studio. And I wow. think <laughs> the, the main secret is processes and implementing these processes by understanding the strength and the weaknesses of the studio. Meaning if you're working with a remote team, how do you bridge this by using the best processes that you can. And I think one of the best things that they were there was kind of a a very PLC process that was implemented, meaning everybody from all the teams, from all the disciplines, if we're taking people from monetization, from analytics, from economy, all of them were working on each feature from the ideation until the execution, until live, until um, even monitoring it once it's out there. So once everybody is working together in this very holistic process, that's the only way to overcome this challenge um, of a studio. And I think the other part is also having a strong management. So having strong uh, GM for the studio was also part of that. Having strong people in, in the different, for each discipline, managing those. And, and together with these processes and these uh, key stakeholders, I think that's the only way to manage this huge organization that is a studio in Casino Games.
0: And for you, living this more family structure from Jelly Button to Playtica in this like more efficient system, how was it for you?
1: So it was interesting. It's a different way of, of looking at things. It was For me, it was kind of a personal challenge growth. I wanted to experience also that. And I think it was important for me to, to understand also that aspect of a uh, studio uh, life. it it was at first it was kind of hard because I come from a place where when you're working in a small studio you're used to doing everything you're used to being in all the knows and and understanding and everything but when you grow uh, you need to understand that you have to level up and then give and, and stay in a very macro level then go down to details so that was I think for me the hardest part kind of pulling myself out of the day to day and focusing more on high level and strategy on roadmap. Uh, but once I was over, I was able to do that. I think the other part was bringing over what I was believed in, which was more the family and the friendship and the fun. And I tried to bring that into this big studio. So even though we were a big product team and we we're a big studio, I think for me, and that's something that I put an emphasis on was having fun together going out, sitting, have lunch together, joking around, having a nice atmosphere to walk in. So that was me bringing the jelly life into Titika. So it was kind of a combination of learning, bringing and kind of creating something new together.
0: And you highlight a point that is very important indeed that we sometimes don't see this as work, like creating these bonds, these moments that make a team they are super important, but it's not something you put on schedule. You're like, okay, I'm going to put on calendar, organize it. But it, it is important, and I think it's uh, great from this experience that you could go like to like really an efficient system and taking as well like the heart part that is important. Uh, of course, in what we're doing, it's after all we're creating games and uh, with humans. And in your uh, vision of then building teams at Product Madness, from what you have experienced at Jelly Button and then Playtica, wh- where is it uh, in between? Is it like more Playtica or Jelly Button or your own mix? So it's the good in all worlds. Sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a mix. It's a mix. I think Product Madness has a lot of a, a family feeling to it. Like there's a lot of togetherness. I, I think it's a lot of, of the things that are part of the values of the company like i said it's it's people first is walking together um so so that's a lot of that that's already in the company so for me it was very natural to join this atmosphere but also when i look at what i want to create and 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 the new organization for new games it's also how i believe it should be so it, it will it Eventually, it will be a big organization because if we want to have different initiatives under it. But the idea is that under this big organization, we're able to still keep the togetherness, the fun, the, the, the friendship, uh, to find the places where we can meet together, when we can see each other, uh, when we can learn and, and enjoy each other. So I think that's, for me, it, it's very important to have both, like the best of all worlds. That's my goal.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you were eight years Jelly Button then Platica so the same family under Platica so it's quite some time and I'm pretty sure you were among very important people there you could have taken and continue to grow in other positions uh, keep growing but you decided to leave and join Project Menace for a new venture what was the thought process that led you to this uh, decision and your motivation?
1: So I have to say, I, I love Jelly and I love Playtica. I have so much love and respect for both of these companies and I learned so much. And a lot of people there are still my friends. So it was, and on that, it was very hard to leave. The reason that I decided what it was time to change atmosphere and to look for the next challenge is because growing within a company, I think you're limited to various different practices, but you're still limited to them. So for me, it was, first of all, important to to go outside of what was comfortable, to challenge myself out there. There was a lot of pushing into a global company, looking outside of Israel, thinking about relocation. London was was a great opportunity. I think what sealed the deal for me was uh, after I talked to Yoav, which is the managing director, the CEO of Product Madness, and seeing him as a type of manager that I said, this is a person that I want to work under, a person that encourages, innovation and leadership and, and people first, I think for me, that was kind of what said, okay, this is a place that I can continue to grow and bring what I believe in. And like I said, if I want to bring the best of all worlds, this is a place where I can I can grow with that. And, and on top of that was also joining this amazing challenge of creating a new games department in this great company that has so many talented people and all the people that I talked to in the company made such an sh- amazing impression on me. So I said, this is a great ground for me to establish this new department. And I'm sure that I will enjoy working here and just see myself continuing to grow. So I think it was kind of a combination there of feeling that it's time for a change. Because eight years, it was time to see, okay, what's next out there?
0: Was it uh, long for you to take a decision when you knew that you had the option? or?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. it took. I think I finished my last role in WSOP, and then started to think, okay, what's next? And and when I think about what's next, it's usually okay. Next position will be another few years because wh- wherever I go, I will build a team. I want to see something go out there, so it will be about another three years. And then I started thinking, is there a place for this next challenge in Platica? Looked a lot inside the company in Jelly, also where other uh, sister companies of Politica uh, uh, of, of Jelly, but at the end, I think it was a long process. It was a lot of talking to myself and, and exploring a lot of amazing companies out there in the world. I think there's so many great gaming companies that just Finding the best one is so hard because they're also best, right? There's so many talented places and amazing people. But I wanted to find the the place that had the best position for me and what I was looking for with a combination of the best culture and the best management and the best team. And I think I found it for myself now. So I'm happy with my decision. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Oh, you sound very excited. And I see the... The spark, at least for a few time, we have discussed on what you are building. And it's great as well from the approach, like you seem like very thoughtful in thinking, you know, having a vision, a bit of your career, your path, where do you want to grow? Where do you want to evolve? Checking your options. I understand that it was carefully thought with a professional vision you had for yourself, which is great. So uh, switching gear a bit on topics as well in hiring, because we have talked about that as well, and especially in leadership position, product leadership position, building new teams, it's difficult to have uh, female leaders in product or design in general. So I I wanted to hear your experience as you have to hire a lot of people. How is it for you? uh, And what's your view on it?
1: So for me, I, I try to overlook this completely, like not to look at what gender or what background the person comes from or, or what location, what language. I try to come as blank as possible. And, and I think that's also part of the things that we are trying to encourage here in the public That being said, I am trying to make sure that we have as many women at the start of the process, to begin with, making sure that if we encourage the TA team to make sure that there are is the same balance of women who are applying for the job than of men who are applying to the job, then you have a much more equal way of making sure that eventually you will hire the best people regardless of where they come from. That being said, I will always try to look back and, and kind of evaluate, okay, did this was this successful? And are we seeing a balance? And if we're not seeing a balance, then how do we encourage this in the future to make sure that there is a balance?
0: Yeah, I think it's important also to, especially we are concerned by this because we see it, but to trying to stay non-biased when we hire, just to go for the gender and not look at skills. And I think here the real place to look at is more are we having enough balance of candidates, for example, diversity of candidates, so we can evaluate who's the best in this one. And I think this is the challenging part. So I wanted to maybe to focus more on that, like when we are sourcing different talents and leaders, how is it for you? Do you manage to reach like, well, maybe not this 50-50 and gender, but this diversity? So interesting is that I think...
1: Being a woman in a leadership position kind of automatically encourages more women to apply and to approach me on various positions. So so that's already a good starting point. So whenever I publish a, a position, uh, more women are feeling comfortable to put their name out there. And I need to say that I think that at starting levels, we're seeing a beginning of kind of more equal numbers and between uh, women and and men and any other diversity that we're seeing. I think the bigger challenges are reaching higher position, leadership position, managing position. I think that's where the bigger challenges and the gaps are created between men and women.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think we are also leading a path where we recruit just more diverse talents and also giving the opportunity, an equal opportunity for, you know, the different talents so they can access position of leadership and there will be more, but these things take time. And I observe the same thing as well. It's true when you are visible as a woman in a high position. It creates this confidence or familiarity to have for sure more female candidates who've who know, feel reassured to apply there. It's uh, unfortunate that it has to be this way because uh, there are very great teams as well led by not not women. One uh, question. So we are also in position that are, you know, executive, uh, VP level. I was curious if you've ever had the help or support of a mentor or a coach and if you could share more about it.
1: Yeah, so I think having a mentor is one of the most important things in, in your career or in personal life, I think. And I usually try to have as many mentors that I can. And I in in the past when I moved from Jelly to Plitica, I had two amazing mentors. One from the product side and one from all from people and culture side. And together they helped me understand the company that I was uh, getting into because it's a different company. I, so I think both of them were so uh, important to me as mentors. It's unfortunate that they can't mentor me anymore since I moved to another company. But I think finding good mentors and understanding the mentor and mentee uh, relationship, very important. I think that I try to always find and encourage people who are compatible with me also to try to uh, mentor them when, when I find that it's needed. And I think like, it's so gratifying for both the mentor and the mentee. And I think it's a relationship that there is no other relationship like that. It's a completely different type.
0: Yeah. And I agree. You learn a lot whether you're a mentor or a mentee. And maybe for people who don't think about mentors or coaches, what's your approach to get uh, mentors? What makes you to the conclusion like, okay, I need to get one and what do I do from there? <laughs>
1: So sometimes I think the company encouraged that. I think like in, in all my companies, like we encourage this kind of mentoring, but I think you don't need to wait for somebody to say, this will be your mentor. I think if you're hearing somebody who encourages, who intrigues you, who you want to learn with, if you're hearing a podcast, if you're reading about somebody with with amazing experience and you think, okay, this is something that is is something that I want to learn from, I think don't be afraid to knock on their door and ask, would you mentor me? I think one of my product mentors, I think it was more of a graduate process in which I first started by asking a few questions. And then we kind of slowly created this mentor and mentee relationship. And eventually after a few months, there it was, okay, so it's obvious to both of us that this is the relationship that we established. And so I think, my biggest tip is don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to reach out. I think we are all, especially me and and people that I talk to in, in different leadership positions. I think we are excited about the, um, answering people and and helping them and helping them grow.
0: Yeah. I think here the takeaway is like you have to decide for yourself how you want to grow again, having a, you know, a, a certain vision and then go for it. And, you know, and I, knowing you uh, a bit as well, I think we have kind of similar profile, like we are not the kind to wait and <laughs> uh, for things to happen and then go for it. So that is also to my question on the, how you grew, you know, uh, career-wise where you started as a product manager, but how did it happen for you to jump to the level of director? Is it, a role like you really wanted to go for or it was um, suggested to you? I'm curious about how you get the promotion here. Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah, I think like what you said exactly, don't wait for things to happen, make them happen. I think for me, changing positions or or getting promotions, I think it was was a combination. It was me putting where I want to be and understanding what I need in order to grow to where I want to be. Um, so that that was the first way of looking at it. The second was that I kind of grew with my games and with my position, so it was more of a natural growth. When when King was a small game, I was a product manager. But as the game grew, I grew with it to become executive producer, manage the game, and then after that, when it was established again, reinitiated again under Plitika, I came back as product director. Uh, so it was much easier to go into these positions because that was also what the game needed and what the position needed. And I was, my skill set matched what was needed there. And so I think I usually say, this is where I want to be. This is what I need in order to reach that. And then use mentors, use advice, use whatever I can in order to grow. where i want to be but a lot of the times you need to ask for it and you need to 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 demand it even sometimes in order to push yourself up
0: yeah create the opportunity for yourself and i think that's the reality here as well the takeaway for mapping the vision of where you want to be and i see that you are thinking really long term and um, making it happen creating the opportunities i think that's uh, the best way so now let's move on more reflection as well of even further in your career. So I'd like to ask to my guest, looking back at your 25-year-old self, what would you tell her, so younger Maya, with the experience you have today and why?
1: So when I was 25, unfortunately, I was not in the gaming industry. Uh, there wasn't a lot of gaming industry in Israel back then. And I think like, what I would tell her then is don't be afraid to chase Your dreams. Don't be afraid to try to work where your passion is. I think when I finished university, I was 30 years old and I asked myself, okay, where do I want to be? And I was sitting with my professor and I said, I want to make games, but where where do you make games in Israel? And I think like it was only a few companies back then, it was 2011, and only a few companies were making games then. And he was like, okay, try Jelly, try Platica, try that. And I started pushing myself to interviews in these companies and I was so lucky to find myself there. But I think like what I would tell her is that one day you will find, if you push your dream and if you understand where your passion lies, and if you continue to chase that, one day you will find yourself working there. So don't be afraid to ask for what you want to do.
0: That's a great advice. And look at where you are today. You did fulfill some of your dreams for sure. And then to growing to the path of where you are, what would you say are the most important skills, hard or soft skills? So I think like one of the
1: best skills that I can say that I have is that I am a hard worker. I am not afraid of challenges. I work hard. I want to say, walk out, play hard. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it's really true. I love what I'm doing. But one of the strongest things is that I'm so strong and like so passionate about working on it. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is trying to understand and hear the people around me, trying to see, constantly look and observe. And I think it, it, looking and observing is true, even for thinking of how to create a new game, how to innovate, it's constantly looking and observing. And also in team, it's constantly looking and observing on team and listening to people and trying to understand what the world is saying right? What people are saying, what people need, what people want. And I think that's what we do eventually. Like We're creating an experience. And if we are able to create this experience to our team members and to our employees, I think that's also part of that. Because we want people to come to work and enjoy themselves and understand why they're doing what they're doing and, and believe in what they're doing. And in order to do that, we need to see them and we need to understand them and what motivates them. So I think that's for me, was one of the most important skills that I grew as a manager and in the gaming industry.
0: And not only as a manager, but I think as a human being to each other, as a friend, you know, what you're describing, it's like obvious when uh, said like this, but it's so hard, actually. We are distracted over time, you know, busy with something else and giving attention to someone else, like real focused attention, listening, and caring and, and uh, aligning as well as we are doing with the work takes some attention. So I think it's great uh, that you highlight this, and it's not the skills you see in the books of uh, when you need to get into position, like be a better strategist or, you know, things like that. So uh, great ones. I'm also good in organizing and cleaning, <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. You can do that, but without the part that you mentioned that is really important, then you wouldn't be probably where you are today to manage such big teams and such uh, important responsibilities. Yeah. And for the mentorship, I just wanted to know you also are open to mentor in case some people would like to contact you after this podcast interview. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I would also say that I'm looking for a lot of new people to join my team, so the teams are growing and we're constantly looking for amazing, talented people to join Product managers. Uh, and if not joining as employees, then people are always welcome to contact me for mentoring or advice or support, for sure.
0: So let's wrap this up and let me get to with three rapid fire questions. So first question, what is the thought that is occupying the most your mind at the moment?
1: How do I find good people to join my team?
0: Okay. Second question, what is the thing that you are the most afraid of at the moment?
1: Finding people who are not compatible <laughs> to join my team or losing the strong people that I currently have.
0: Mm-hmm. And last, what is your motto to motivate, and encourage yourself?
1: I think it's all about people. It's all about friendships. It's all about who we are surrounded by. I think that's what makes life fun.
0: That's amazing. Oh well, great. Maya, it was a great conversation. We reached the end. There was so much we talked about and so much to reflect on. So thanks a lot. It was great. Thank
1: you. Thank you as well. It was great. I had a lot of fun talking to you.
0: Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this new episode of Race and Plague podcast. If you enjoyed the content and want to support what we're doing, rate and review the podcast, spread the word about it. If you'd like to contribute to the change too, reach out to me on LinkedIn for a collaboration. You'll find all the rest of the content on riseandplay.io, including my free masterclass on conscious leadership. Until the next time.